0: Hello, and welcome to episode 34 of the Talk Witchcraft podcast. In this episode, Maggie and I will be talking about creating a routine that works for you.
1: You're listening to Talk Witchcraft. On this podcast, we talk about witchcraft as a lifestyle and discover how to merge magic into your daily life.
0: Every week, we'll demystify witchy topics like tarot, astrology, crystals, herbs, and more as you develop your personal brand of magic and create the life of your dreams. We're your your hosts, hosts, the the Mystic Mystic Sisters, Sisters,
1: Erica and Maggie. In this segment of the show, we choose a tarot card for the week, and we look for moments that relate to this card in our daily lives. For this episode, we chose the Eight of Pentacles, and the the theme for this card is practice makes perfect. So if you think about trade professions, there's generally an apprentice stage, a journeyman stage, and a mastery stage. And I see the Seven of Pentacles as like the apprentice, the person who is sort of doing the menial tasks to show their commitment, And they're helping out the person who's training them. And then we have the nine where we see as uh, somebody who has put in all the hours of practice and is reaping the rewards. And so that's more like the master. And so then there's this in-between stage, which is the journeyman who is putting in those hours of practice in the trade that they've chosen. So they're doing the same thing over and over again gaining muscle memory or if it's a mental task then it's you know mental memory and they're trying to get the hang of the hang of making that sounds like a weird get the hang of yeah that's how you say that (laughs) they're trying to get the hang of making the thing they're trying to make so for example a chef is who is learning to chop vegetables, they would chop the same one until they have mounds of chopped vegetables or peel potatoes until they have mounds of peeled potatoes or whatever. And all they do is that task. A writer writes, an actor acts. When you train a pet, you would do the same trick over and over again until they catch on. If you're pot- potty training, you you help the child practice. You use chore charts and habit uh, building for children who are older. And the same thing for like reading the tarot or casting spells or growing plants, anything that you want to do well, you have to repeat it until you don't really have to think about it anymore. It just comes naturally.
0: Yeah. There's a theory that you have to do something for 10,000 hours before you truly master it. Uh, If you practice something for one hour a day, it'll take over 27 years to get it. And so what I think is more important is about making that commitment to improving the skill, that you want to improve and not worrying about the end result of, you know, that mastery of a thing. You know, it's all about enjoying the journey, which is where the word journeyman comes from. So, um I think this card is about not rushing it to get to that nine. It's committing to learning and practicing and enjoying the process of being a big beginner. Do you have a story, Maggie?
1: Yes. So for this, I'm actually going to talk about practicing the tarot That was something that I committed to learning about the cards each day and doing something to help me learn them each day until I felt really confident in using them and reading them so that they could guide me in whatever way I needed. So, you know, each day I would draw a card and write about the card and maybe meditate with the card. Um, and then I'd also incorporate other things into the way that i understand them, like just looking at them, drawing them, sitting with them and pretending that i am the person in the card, looking at the imagery and looking for the symbolism, researching the symbolism in other books and all sorts of things that would help me to feel like i really understood them. And so while it wasn't it's not the same kind of craft as like in the picture of the eight of Pentacles, this person is, you know, creating something he's creating pentacles and he's getting better and better as time goes on and he practices making it so I'm not like making something but I through practicing learning and and creating those neural pathways in my brain and relating things in my life like we do on this podcast to the cards that helped me learn the cards really well and so just being committed to it and going on the journey of learning the tarot I feel like has helped me to solidify it for myself. What about you? Do you have a story for this?
0: I do. And it's more of a reminder to myself. Uh, I would say that with my crochet and my yarn work, I'm at the the level nine. am I'm, I'm a nine of pentacles on that. I know it inside and out. I can do it with my eyes closed. I can do it in the dark. I make all sorts of crazy blankets and, you know, just just bragging here for a little bit. It's my form of not magic. And, um, you know, if I'm making something for somebody, I'm thinking about them while I'm creating it. It's definitely something that I have mastered. And because I'm so good at it, when I take up a new hobby or a new task, I have this feeling of, I need to be good at it right now as I am at crochet. But that's not true at all. Like it did take me probably 27 or more years to get to the place that I'm at now with crochet. It did take me 10,000 hours of making blanket after blanket after blanket at, you know, hats and scarves and gloves and boot warmers and all sorts of things I had to, I had to put in the time. So it's a reminder to myself that with new things, I'm not that master yet. I am a journeyman and I'm going to have to put in as much time in this new thing as I did with this thing that I'm so good at.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really hard thing to remember. I do the same thing with, like, I tried playing polo with my husband recently and I got so frustrated because I just like, wasn't getting the hang of it. And he was telling me that, you know, how many drills and practices he'd done with, using the mallet and keeping track of the ball and everything and, um, and that you have, you kind of have to repeat it over and over again. And I was frustrated, like you were, that you have to like put in that time to learn the muscle memory so that you can do it in the dark, like you can with crochet.
0: And I think that the the, the hobby and the craft that I'm at that journeyman stage right now is probably making my miniature houses. You know, I want them to be this perfect, wonderful, Like every corner is at 90 degrees and every paper is cut perfectly and I want it to be at that level of mastery, but it's not there yet and I still have to practice it. And it's okay if this leaf is not cut the way it's supposed to be or there's a tear on this book or the glue didn't set quite right on this shelf. It's okay. (laughs) and i and it still will look good and nobody's going to notice it except for me right and you can't get to the place where you
1: don't have those tears and um miscuts and misalignments of angles without actually going through the practice of doing it and learning from okay so if i glue it this way well that didn't work out did it so now i know the proper way to do it for next time like you can't learn that without making those mistakes i feel like there's not really mistakes with tarot like I was just thinking of what kinds of things that you learn from with mistaking when you're learning tarot well I think I guess you could misread something I don't know
0: yeah that's what I was gonna say you you might misread something you might um draw a conclusion that was inaccurate
1: I still feel like even if you miss yeah and then if you misread it then it helps you kind of create this new meaning for that card for like the next time it comes
0: up. Right. Well, and I was thinking too, like you might start with a surface level of knowledge. And like we were talking about the pentacles always meaning money, like the surface level knowledge, you know, that, that pentacles means money. And then, but then that deeper level knowledge of, well, it doesn't mean money. It means physical, tangible items. And so, but it took time for you to get to that realization.
1: Right. And anytime that you miss a message that the card is giving you it um then that adds to your understanding for the next time or you get a new message that you hadn't learned before it's not necessarily that you misread it but it's like this card seems to like for example the um 7 of swords came up for me recently it really made me think of robin hood um cuz he's like in earth she it's a character the character i saw was a everyday witch tarot And she's like, it seems like she's stealing from someone who's wealthy and um, taking it for like, not for personal gain. So it made me think of Robin Hood, which isn't usually thought of with that card. But now that's kind of been incorporated into my meaning of that card is that idea of like steal from the rich and give to the poor. So let's start talking about our main topic for the week. We are talking again, as we mentioned before, about routine and organization and things like that and how that applies to Virgo season. So there are a lot of reasons that you would want to develop a ritual or a routine for your day. And for one thing, it helps you to remain grounded and connected to your witchcraft practice and your spirituality, which you probably want to have as part of your day-to-day life. In addition, it can help you to remember your goals. Uh, sometimes we can get distracted from those things with uh, less important things that might not be aligned with what the goal is. And so it can help you keep directed towards what you really want to see in your life. And it also can give you an opportunity to reflect on the past as you're looking towards the future. And finally, a daily ritual can give you this opportunity to de-stress and relax and um, help you to connect more with your intuition in the process.
0: Yeah, you know, so for many people, morning and or evening times are available to fill with spiritual work, or you know, generally this is the time outside of your daily work routine and other commute commitments. And so uh it's also likely that you've already done some sort of routine for waking up or going to sleep, you know, brushing your teeth or making your bed or drinking water, making coffee all sorts of things for getting the day ended or started.
1: Yeah. So do you have anything that you either have to do every day, maybe whether it's in the morning or the evening or both, um, or are there things that you really are trying to make sure that you do each day?
0: Um, yes. So my mornings are usually spent focusing on getting my work bag ready. I put together my lunch. I make coffee. I fill up my water bottle. I gather all of my things that I'm going to need for the day. And it's definitely turned into a routine of silliness. I think, I think back to when you were talking about how you missed your tea routine, the one time that you've ever missed it and it was horrible. And for me, it's the coffee. So I have to open the top of the coffee pot, take out the reusable filler, dump the old grounds into the trash, wash out the filter, put it back in, put the coffee in. Then I can take the carafe because then I swing the like little nozzle that shoots the water out into the grounds away so that I can pour the water in. But sometimes I will put the filter back in and swing it out it back over without putting the coffee in and then I'll go fill up the craft and then like, and then I have to do things out of order. And it's like such a small, stupid little thing, but it messes up the whole routine. (laughs) And so I, I try to not let it bother me, but it just feels like, Oh, I did it again. Or man, that's not what I was supposed to do. (laughs) My evening routines are harder I fall into the ADHD executive function slump of just sitting in front of the TV for the entire evening because I can't, my brain won't make a decision on what to do. And I know that there are so many things that I would rather be doing than just sitting in front of the TV. I'd like to read, I'd like to work on the miniatures, I'd like to learn some more about herbs, I'd like to do yoga. There's so many things that I want to do with my evening to kind of wind down, but I end up just sitting in front of the TV. So that's something that is always a struggle for me. And I've been working on for a long time um, to kind of fix and break out of, but it's just so much easier to just sit on that couch. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: And when you, have, it's sort of like a, what's the phrase, something of riches, isn't there a phrase, something about A plethora of riches.
0: Probably. I don't know what
1: you're referring to, though. (laughs) You you do. You know it. I'm going to look it up. A gaggle of Richards. I don't even know how to search for it. (laughs) Embarrassment. An embarrassment of riches. You know that phrase. I don't know that phrase. Yes, you do. You've heard people say it. (laughs) It's when you have, like, too many choices and it's hard yeah. to make a decision because, and you know, that's not necessarily what's going on because the ADHD is affecting it, but the embarrassment of riches is like. So I
0: call that a paralysis of choice, but yes, I understand what you're saying.
1: There's a TV There's a TV show where the girl says an embarrassment of Richards. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes me laugh because yeah. that's the thing with those kind of weird phrases
0: that people hear them wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. I have an embarrassment of riches. I've got too many things that I can do and not enough brain power to make a choice on what to do. So my boyfriend is reading a book about building habits, and they talk about, of course, always make, like making stupid, simple goals. So, for example, my goal is during the day, doesn't matter when, doesn't matter how, doesn't matter for how long to do one yoga pose. And if I do more, then great. But if not, I've done my one yoga pose and that was success. That's good. Yeah. Having small goals. Um, I took a
1: program with Sarah Waka from Sisters Enchanted. And that was one of the things she talked about is having like several different levels of goals. So you have like a really easy one that you're pretty sure you can do. Like, it's really simple to get it done. Not too much like effort that you have to put into. And then like a middle one. And then one that's like, you're going to break out the champagne because you just like accomplish something so huge for yourself. And I think that it is because Like we've talked about before on the podcast about the importance of like celebrating and being grateful for things, you know, it is worthy of celebrating. If you do the little goal, the simple one, like the one yoga pose, that's worth acknowledging. And you should, you know, you should celebrate that and not be upset if you don't make it to the big goal, but yeah, having something that you can like really celebrate too, um, is good.
0: And he also has said that in that book, um, changing the language of how we talk about ourselves. And so instead of saying, I can't do that, saying, I'm a person who does this. So instead of me saying, I can't watch TV, saying, I'm a person who does yoga at night. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: And not acting like you're depriving yourself of something else. Cause like you said, you do enjoy watching TV and spending Mm your time that way. Um, but if you also want to do the other things, changing the language of, I do yoga at night. Yeah,
0: that's pretty cool. So I've been playing around with that, trying to establish little habits, little goals, and talking about the things that I do do instead of the things that I can't do. So. Yeah. What about you, Maggie? What are your routines like? Well, as
1: I've talked about before, and as you mentioned just now, I have to have my first pot of tea. And it has to be Earl Grey. I have several different varieties of Earl Grey that I like, but um, I have one that's aged Earl Grey. And so it's like a little bit more fermented than regular black tea. And then it's got the bergamot flavor. So that's the kind that I like usually choose, but I also really like creme brulee, no, creme brulee, Earl Grey. Mm. It's like got vanilla flavor in it. That sounds yummy. It is, it's very yummy, but I don't, that's like a treat. Anyway, I have to have my first pot of tea. And if I don't have it, we have learned that it's the worst thing. (laughs) And so I will never not do that again. And I, you know, it's like, I I don't remember, like that was the only time I think that's ever happened to me. So hopefully I've learned from it. Um, And I drink tea throughout the day, but that first pot is like a sacred time for me because I sit and I drink the pot of tea and I don't do anything else. And so I think that's really what messed me up was that, it wasn't necessarily that I didn't have the tea. It was that I didn't have that like meditation time almost where I was just only doing that um, and letting my brain just like prepare for the day. So I think that's the more important part, or at least that's what I'm learning from that experience. Cause I didn't I never took that sacred, I call it my tea in 10. I give myself 10 minutes to drink my pot of tea.
0: <laughs> um
1: so that is a really important part. Um, and like I talked about, I feed the cats during that making the tea process and in the evening I set my teapot up for the next day with a crystal grid so I'll set the teapot and then I'll put crystals around it based on things that I want for to be in my day the next day so it's either stuff that I feel like I was missing during that day or things that I want to include for the next day. It really just depends. I'll just pick some crystals (laughs) and put them around my pot. And so all night the teapot is charging with those crystals. Yeah, my evening routine and my morning routine are very focused on tea.
0: (laughs) Your routine. Oh, gosh.
1: (laughs) I have to get a sign made.
0: (laughs) Um,
1: Anyway, I do my regular things like brushing teeth and things um for a while i was doing a witchy variation of the miracle morning which i've written about on the blog and something that i learned from that was basically that that's kind of like business guru like word salad some some you know it kind of goes into that category of like this is what all successful people do and so i was I kind of transformed it into what works for me. And, you know, I'm not saying that it doesn't work for some people. Some people do think of the miracle morning as a miracle, but that's kind of what I learned was like doing this was just like putting so much pressure on myself to do something that wasn't something that I designed. And so I think it's important to figure out like what you want your day to look like and what's important for your health and incorporating that into your daily routines.
0: Yeah. I think that the miracle morning, the 10 or the, all of those blogs we've talked about with like how to set your, your Sunday up for a successful week. All of that is definitely related back to the capitalism model of productivity and, um, getting that done. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's the world that you live in, uh, you know, those, those things can make you successful, the, the idea is if it's not making you successful, you can change it. That's okay too.
1: <laughs> and that goes back to what we've talked about with Virgo being a mutable sign, figuring out what changes you can make that fit, that work for you will improve things for you. Um, instead of like trying to fit yourself into a rigid structure, building a structure that works for you and being willing to let that routine shift. For example, I don't always sit in the same place when I have my tea in 10. So there is the structure of needing to have that pot of tea and give myself those minutes each morning but sometimes I'll sit in my kitchen. Sometimes I'll sit on the couch. Sometimes I'll take it back to bed and have a, um, one of those bed trays set up for myself. Having like flexibility around the structure is important, but that works for me. And I don't want to say, because for some people, maybe it has to be. <laughs> it has to be a certain way every day. So uh, I guess that's the whole thing. Like we've said, figuring out, it out for yourself. So something else we wanted to talk about in this episode was about this idea of organization. And we talked about in the Virgo, how to make the most of Virgo season episode about um, sorting the wheat from the chaff and taking inventory of your life and figuring out how to organize your systems and things that suit your life. So we kind of wanted to expand on that in this episode. So what would you like to say about organizing your life,
0: Erica? I think what it comes down to is really looking at the areas in your life and figuring out what could use a helping hand. And when you, when we talk about organization, it usually is about organizing tangible things and items. And it's not so much about, you know, organizing your friends or, or, you know, it's, it's setting up systems to make your life easier. And so for me, I had the glorious, wonderful opportunity to move twice in one year. I moved out of my marital home in July to my poly home, first poly home. And then we, the three of us bought our current home and moved into it in November. So The first time I moved, I had to pack up the entire house, um, sorting my stuff from my ex's stuff, figuring out how I was going to get it all to her, and then figuring out how to get an entire household worth of items into a small 800 square foot house with a large garage. And so for the months of July through November, my whole house was in their garage and I had a room that the rest of like my everyday stuff was in, and during that process, it was very, very important to get myself organized because I needed to be able to find the stuff that I needed to when I needed it. And so I got these big square tubs or clear tubs that I could see into, and organized it kind of by room or by area. you know, so I had like decorations and I had like living room things and I had bathroom things and I had, uh, you know, every, everything was organized into these clear boxes so that at, at a glance, I knew what was in there. And that was really helpful. And then when we moved to our current home in November, I had to kind of go through that all again and figure out what needed to then come out of those boxes and what could go into long-term storage. So I had to then reorganize everything that I had just organized. It opened my eye to what priorities are and what um, was important to keep and what could be let go of and made me really, really, really love clear plastic tubs.
1: makes me want to get clear plastic tubs because we have those like black bins that have the yellow lids and they stack really nicely and they're really like you know they um they're really structural so they don't break or anything very easily but we can't see anything in them so
0: (laughs) for that I would say that you would just have to invest in a label maker or duct tape with sharpie and just label it really well Um, that's the other thing is that I'm not afraid of labeling things anymore. It's, it just makes it so much easier when you just can see like, this is what this is for, or this is what this has. And you don't have to question, you don't have to guess.
1: Yeah. Our problem is that some of those bins we've had for so long and we've changed them. So there's like, it'll say like camping, dive stuff, climbing stuff, like all these kitchen, like it'll say like everything and we didn't like cross it off. So we have to do better about that. I think the last time Dana organized the garage recently, and I think the last time he did a good job of like really being intentional about how things were labeled. Um, But yeah, we kind of had the opposite thing of when you moved from the house before you got the divorce into the smaller house. Ours was that we went from like a tiny one-bedroom apartment to a big house and so organizing things was like figuring out like something that we had kind of tucked away in a closet for so long like where does this go we can put it out and it was kind of like fun but it was also overwhelming so for a long time we just had the things that we had been using for so long um, you know that were out and we could see all the time in the smaller space and then we slowly added things really intentionally, like things that felt like they were important, and we wanted out.
0: You know, there's there's all the organization books out there. The simple joy of tidying up Marie Kondo, um, all of that. I do I do appreciate her way of think thinking the item and determining if it brings you joy it there, there is a, a sense of um, being okay with letting things go once you do that. And so I, I did that a lot. And a, and part of it was having to figure out if I was letting it go out of anger or sadness, or if it was truly just something that I didn't need anymore. So there is quite a few boxes full of memory things that are just at the bottom of the stack and they will be there in five to 10 years when I finally go through them again. And when I go through them, if they still are bringing up that anger or that sadness, knowing that at that point Mm -hmm. it's a true feeling.
1: Yeah. And Similarly, um, I mean, different, but you know, our, our grandmother, she would show, she was definitely, uh, her love language was gift giving. And so I have just so many things that she sent me over the years. And now that she's passed on, it's really hard to get rid of those things because there's not going to be you know new gifts coming. And so there's certain things that I'm like, I didn't necessarily want, but I loved that she sent them to me at the time and I kept. And now it's like so hard to get rid of those things, even though you know I don't use them or wear them or whatever it is, but because it's got that sentimental attachment more than just like
0: yeah I think we just recently when you were here visiting we went through all of her jewelry and um for me I don't wear jewelry very often um if at all and it's only on special occasions and so I took things that fit into that category of I could wear this for a special occasion I took um our great-grandmother nannies, uh, freshwater pearls, because those are things that I would wear, and I have a set of my own. Um, but what I did take, and what I found about myself as we've been going through all of these getting rid of moments, is that what was more important to me was their furniture. <laughs> and what, you know, like, I didn't want the everyday items, the jewelry, the clothing, the this, that, and the other thing, what I ended up with were the antiques, the heirlooms, the, um, the things that were useful and pragmatic. And so the thing that I'm really excited about was that I got to keep Anna's jewelry box, jewelry tower, jewelry, um, Eiffel Tower of craziness. Like it is the tallest jewelry box I've ever seen. <laughs> And it's one that has those doors that open and you can hang the um, necklaces on. It's got plate. It's got how many? It's down here. Seven drawers and a top that flips up. And um, I was like, I'm not going to use this for jewelry, obviously, because I don't wear jewelry. But what I am going to use it for is to organize all my witchy things.
1: I know that's such a good idea.
0: Because right now it's just kind of a chaos and mess next to me right now. Um, and now I have a place where I can put my different sets of tarot cards, or I can put candles or different books or whatever. I've got a place now, and I can organize it that way.
1: Yeah, that's a really good idea to, to see that, and I think that's just, like, in general, I think that's a big part of practicing witchcraft. So much of, like, what we see online these days is very much fueled by capitalism and, like, Buying this, you know, you need this perfect witch cabinet to store your herbs in. But if you think about like the way our ancestors would have practiced, it was reusing what you already have or breathing new life into something. And a lot of that was partly to be secretive because in some places witchcraft wasn't allowed. And so it was important to be really secretive and use everyday things in magical ways, like a jewelry box as a herb holder. But in in other ways, it was just like there wasn't somebody trying to sell you <laughs> a witch cabinet. But people might have been t- selling you a jewelry cabinet. So yeah, I think that's like very in line with what witchcraft is about. We kind of got off topic with our <laughs> organization, but I think that's okay. Hopefully, this is interesting to our listeners. <laughs> so let's let's regroup on talking about organizing witchy things and life things. So one thing that I've been I, I'm a tarot collector, so I've been really trying to figure out how to organize my tarot and oracle and Lenormand collection. For one thing, they don't all come in the same size boxes, so you can't always like get them nicely in places. And for another thing, there's a lot of them. And for another thing, they it's not very useful to have them stacked on top of each other because then it's hard to actually use them. take them out if you can't see what you have. So it's been kind of a challenge for me, I guess, like a a fun puzzle. It's almost like Tetris (laughs) to like figure out a way to display all of these different size boxes in a way that I can see all of them. And one thing I found was these boxes that i got at Ikea, they're just like things you hang on the wall and they're square. So it's nice because It's not set up for like a bookshelf, which has a specific size, but it's like you can put a lot of different things in it. And so the taller books that I have and the taller boxes that I have fit into it. So that's a good tip if you're looking for a way to to display them because it looks nice. And then also to be able to see them all and organize them. And then another thing that I do with the tarot cards is the ones that I use frequently because some of them I just bought because I wanted to support the artist and it's and I don't necessarily use them for divination purposes. But I keep the ones that I use frequently wrapped in cloths. So actually, some of the things that I took from Anna's collection, our grandma was her scarves and things. So I have wrapped some of my tarot decks in those and then some that I've had from other things that I've purchased. And the ones that I use, I keep them in like a thing I got at Target. (laughs) It's like a mesh um, Mail organizer or something like that, and I always tell Dana that I do that so that I can grab those if there's ever a fire. <laughs> so they're all like con- all my most valuable tarot decks. I can gather up the cats in one hand and the tarot decks in
0: the other. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, for organizing my uh, witchy things, I've collected little boxes. Um, I mean, who who doesn't collect little boxes if we're quite honest. Um, so I put different things in them. I have a collection of rings that I use for divination, um, little quick yes, no questions. Each color represent, um, represents a different answer or topic. And I can kind of store all of the, these rings that I've collected in that way that I don't wear. And then I have got, I've got a bowl with all of my crystals in it. I've got a box that contains um, all of the tools, so I've got a little broom I've got all of my candles i've got my uh, jars and baggies and satchel things all kind of just stored in this box. um, that's got pretty sparkles on it so it's you know it looks nice. My altar is actually made out of the shoe shelves that you get at Target that are made out of particle board, but I stack them on top of each other. So I've got two next to each other to make a big square and then one on top to give me a little lift of shelves. And so that gives me a lot of storage. I've got the Thwellen Sabbat books there. I've got all of my tarot cards stacked up there. So, you know, it's just like Maggie mentioned that thinking outside of the box, looking at something that is intended to be used to store shoes, but is actually quite a sufficient altar.
1: And, and then having it useful for your practice, how you, the things that are important for your practice. So, you know, not necessarily collecting every single thing in the world that could possibly be associated with witchcraft and just using, you know, putting together the things that you'll use and collecting things that you'll use in one area. Um, cause that's again, the capitalism thing, witchcraft is really trendy right now. So there's a lot of people trying to sell us stuff and some of it's not useful. Some of it's not based in spiritual, uh, purposes. So if you're going to buy stuff, I think it's good to buy from people who actually practice, you know, like somebody who's an artist who is also a witch and knows what she's doing or what they're doing.
0: Well, and it's also fun. um, I mean, it's fun to go to Target and get something new and be like, I'm going to use this for this purpose. That's fun. Um, But what's also fun is that moment of looking around your house at what you already have, or going to a garage sale and seeing something and going like, I could use that for this purpose. And there's just this little bit of joy of like, I thought outside the box and I was creative and that's really cool. And then you want to share it and you want to show it off. And that might just be my external validation talking, but (laughs) um,
1: (laughs) yeah, like look how clever I
0: was. Yep. There's fun in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. So, I guess the moral of the story is, is that organization is important and you should do what is best for you and not what somebody tells you to do.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it's helpful to see what other people are doing or hear, you know, some, to get ideas and then, you know, applying that to how you practice the things you have what you have available to you or what you can easily find at Target or garage sale or whatever, wherever you're looking. This episode is brought to you by marjoram. So as usual, Erica is going to tell us about the medicinal properties, and then I will come in with the magical properties.
0: Marjoram's botanical name is Organum marjorana. It is mostly used with the leaves and the flowers. It is a Mediterranean plant that has been brought uh, over to Europe and the United States. And it is a perennial, so it will come back every year if you grow it outside, which is nice. It does like warmer climates. So if you are in a colder climate, you might wanna bring your marjoram plant in during the winter, but it um, should, should grow, come back every year. Uses can be both culinary or medicinally. It's got quite a savory flavor to it. So it's usually good with savory dishes like uh, eggs and fish and other meats, Brussels sprouts, mushrooms. It's good in potato salads with any kind of cheese dish. It combines great with thyme, tarragon, or basil. So if you think about those flavors, really good for any kind of Italian, Mexican, Spanish dishes. For medicinal purposes, it's good for coughs. If you want to boil dried marjoram in water and inhale the steam, it helps to clear the airways. It's also really good for um, sinus infections, and you could either do that as an inhaler or drink it as a tea. It's really good for hormonal imbalances. If you take it, it can put those hormones back into equilibrium. It also helps with digestion, um, which is why we like to use it for culinary purposes, and um, it's good for maintaining blood sugars, so uh, it's been shown to help reduce blood pressure and all of that. And the last thing that we use it for is as a salve for wounds because it's got antiseptic, antibacterial, antifungal, and antiviral agents in it. So for the
1: magical uses, marjoram can be used to correspond with Mercury and Venus, the elements of Earth and fire, and the zodiac signs Aries and Virgo. The main Magical purposes for marjoram in a witchcraft spell is cleansing, purification, and uh, protection. So, you know, keeping bad things away from you (laughs) that you don't want near you. So one of the uses, you can place some marjoram, either you could plant marjoram in a pot, so you can have it growing, and place it in the four corners of your property or plant it in the ground outside in the four corners of your property. um, So that's one protective measure is to use it in this way. So marjoram is also really popular for love spells. And we talked about love spells in a previous episode, Um, but it can be used in kitchen witchcraft. So using it in cooking with the intention of bringing more love into your life because of that association association with venus or aphrodite. Another way to use it as a protective herb is to mix it in a charm bag with other protective herbs and crystals and things like that and you can carry this with you for protection. If you mix it with abundance herbs like uh, money associated herbs, it can be you can add it to like your wallet and carry it around to attract wealth to you. You can also sleep with marjoram tucked under your pillow and that can bring about Uh, prophetic dreams. And one of the most popular uses in this way is that it's actually thought to show you who your true love is or who you are meant to be with. So I think that's a little romantic. You can dream (laughs) about your true love by sleeping with marjoram. (laughs) And then one other magical use is, is to help to overcome feelings of sadness or grief, especially at the loss of a loved one because of that association with love. So one use is to you know carry it around with you in that charm bag as I mentioned, or you know, smelling the herb, the arom- the aromatic scent of the herb, or taking a bath with an infusion of the herb and then that calming like water surrounding you can be like a nice warm hug when you're feeling those grief feelings. So we'll get back to our main topic about creating routine and organization. And I feel like we've mentioned this throughout this episode, but I think we should be clear about the way that energy and witchcraft and magic and all of these things is mutable. It ebbs and it flows as your life changes and ebbs and flows. So there's energy that is flowing in and around you. It's going to be changing with the circumstances of your reality. And you can also direct this energy toward your desires, toward what your goals are for the future, as we mentioned with setting up those routines. And in last week's episode, we talked about Virgo being a mutable sign. So it's really interesting because you kind of think about these structures and this organization as being really rigid and immovable, but that's not the healthiest way to create these systems for yourself because there's so much fluidity in um, in the world around us and the things that are happening in our lives. So when you're setting up these routines and establishing an organization system, doing that with this energy of Virgo, knowing that that structure is changeable based on what is best for you in each moment.
0: So basically, when it feels good, it enhances your well-being. And so implementing these routines and organizations is is a good thing to do. But when it feels hard or out of alignment, you could be open to implementing something that would work better. So let go of the need to push and work in all areas of your life all the time. Make space for fluidity in your craft and in your life. And so as long as you are keeping yourself in line with the vision that you hold for your life and make those choices based on what best serves you, and you will always be on the right path.
1: So we'll go ahead and talk about our moon phase assignment for this week. We are moving into a waning crescent phase, and the waning crescent is the time just before the new moon. So it's a, for me, I always think about it as this time of reflecting on the previous cycle. And, you know, you've kind of gone through the push of letting things go and releasing, doing those big banishment things that to get rid of the things that you don't want to see in your life anymore. And now it's just a time to rest and reflect and prepare for what the next intention is going to be. What's the the next thing that you're working toward or doing in your life? So is there anything you want to share about what you're reflecting on about the previous four weeks? Things that went well, things that didn't go well, things that you're carrying into the next lunar cycle, things you're leaving behind.
0: I came to the realization the other day that my default status is to assume that I'm not included or invited to things because then if it comes out that I'm not included or invited, then I don't get hurt or disappointed. And that's probably not a good way to be. For example, it came up this week when Kim mentioned to Miles and I that her aunt had reached out to the family about going to Cancun in February or March. And my assumption was. She's just letting us know that this is happening, and I'm not invited to go to it. So instead of being disappointed that I couldn't go on a trip to Cancun, I just assumed that it was a statement of, I'm going to Cancun for Kim, and not an invitation to, hey, Erica, do you want to go to Cancun? That's not how I should have assumed that conversation was going to go. I should have assumed that she was telling me that she wanted to in, me to be included in her family event because I'm part of her family now. Long story short, <laughs> I'm going to try and let go of that initial response of I'm not included.
1: I think that's a ADHD everything's an ADHD thing, but the rejection sensitivity I think like Preparing yourself, because that's such a visceral feeling of being rejected. And a lot of the time, it's not even real. You know, we imagine it and it, we can feel it so extremely in the body. And so preparing yourself that you don't want to feel that way. So you automatically assume I'm not part of this I'm, as a protection mechanism. And, and you know, letting go of that, that's kind of making yourself more vulnerable, which is good for a relationship of trust and love is to (laughs) be vulnerable with one another. So I think that's beautiful. So for the last four weeks, I've been really doing the Mumbles Academy thing. And so, and I've been working on, you know, letting go of perfectionism and a need to control everything. And Um, some people have noticed that I have opened the doors to parts of it and um, have been registering accounts and things like that. And so I hadn't made a full announcement yet, but this is a good time to say that it is sort of open for parts of it. So, you know, if you've been a member before and you go in there, then it's not what you're expecting or what you've seen before. It's different. But if if you want to, you can go in and explore what has been created so far that's what I've been reflecting on for the last lunar cycle is how the need for it to be really perfect and um, everything that I can see in my head, like we've talked about last week about how once you have it in your head, it kind of already exists. And so it's hard to like actually create something that you think already exists, even if it doesn't, but letting go of the need for it to be perfect has made it so that it can actually exist in the world for people to come inside and see what I've made for them. (laughs) So that's been a good realization that, you know, sometimes it's done is better than perfect because done means that I can share it with people and and I can interact with other witches in this thing that I've been imagining for so long. So it's been pretty exciting for me (laughs) to have that realization. It's very exciting. And it's pretty nice. If I do say so myself, so.
0: It is. Everybody should go check it out right now. Stop (laughs) positive podcast. Go check it out.
1: The (laughs) membership area isn't open right now. It is the free portion of being able to go through uh, the first six lessons of Witchcraft 101, which is now the entirety of Witchcraft 101. Everyone can join as a wanderer at witchwanderer.com. And that brings us to our game as well. The latest game on
0: witchwanderer.com. So we have a question for you. We want to know what your morning and evening routines are. We've told you ours already. And um, we'd love to hear from you what yours are. Because maybe we can add to ours or you can add to yours from other people. So let us know.
1: Over the next week, we'll be looking in our lives, Erica and I will, for uh instances where we see the nine of pentacles. So this card is about, we talked about when at the beginning of the show, the state of being a master of a trade. So it's about accomplishment, refinement, independence, self-reliance, having put in all that work to be where you are in your knowledge and in your. Um, financial situation and in your family and all these different uh, kind of like at the top of your game. So it's about being resourceful, um, knowing that you are in control in some way, that you're secure in your life in all the things you've done in your life. and in in some ways it's about enjoying the finer pleasures of life, so the creature comforts and things like that and that idea of independence and self-reliance that i mentioned. so, We'll be looking for these types of themes in our lives um, over the next week, and I hope that you all do as well. And if you do have a story you want to share about the Nine of Pentacles, please send us a voicemail at listen at
0: talkwitchcraft.com. You can find out more about this episode by going to mumblesandthings.com slash blog slash 034. Join us next week when we talk about... Service to others. Make sure you subscribe
1: so that you are notified about each new episode. And to help other witches find this show,
0: please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Things, and join us in the Mumbles Academy to chat about this episode with other witchy folk. Bye-bye. Goodbye.